Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 244 of the Spoiler Alert podcast, brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. I'm Danny, and I'm joined by Mike, and tonight we'll be discussing 2018's last Best Picture nominee that we haven't yet talked about, Black Klansman, directed by Spike Lee, and starring John David Washington. Mike, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Danny. How are you? I'm awesome, and I'm excited to be seeing and talking about this movie. I know we had originally penciled in a Best Picture winner, Tom Jones, which we'll just sort of scooch that one down the line because we really wanted to make sure that we got this eighth and final Best Picture nominee in the right. can and posted on the you know to to the audience here before the Academy Awards, which is coming up quickly. Right. Yeah. And here we are again. We we are reviewing another Best Picture tonight, regardless. Uh, maybe tonight's not the one, but we've covered one again this year. Another Best Picture in the yes. books. Yep. Yep. We've seen we've seen all eight nominees. We've talked about all eight nominees. So. You know, a couple years down the road, we will not have to go back and check 2018 off the list. Correct. That's a nice yes. feeling. Yeah, it is. It is a good yeah. feeling. We'll we'll do Tom yeah. Jones after that. We'll get to that one next. But. Right. I think we're going to have to do a couple in a row. So just to prep the audience, I think we're going to do this one, and then I think we got two Best Picture nominees in a row, just to sort of keep moving along because it has been a piece since we sat down and talked about one of the old. I'm, I'm missing Best them. Yeah. Or yeah. Winners. Yeah. I'm missing those. Yeah. 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 Well, so let's get let's get to this one. Maybe before we do, though, are you and have you been a fan of Spike Lee's work? As soon as you say that, I instantly think back to the first podcast, the first spoiler alert podcast we ever did, which was his Episode old one. boy, yep. which is maybe one of the worst movies I'd ever seen. Right? I mean that that thing, <laughs> that thing was bad, 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 bad. That was a tough push, yeah. I haven't seen a ton of Spike Lee's movies, so I guess I would say um, okay. I liked Do the Right Thing. I enjoyed that movie a fair amount, so yes, I like Spike Lee. I, I liked um, He Got Game. I enjoyed that one a little bit. I, I saw that one back, mm-hmm. I think, when we were in college because it was cool that Ray Allen of the Milwaukee Bucks starred in that one. That made that sort of neat. Had the Public Enemy soundtrack, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh, for that sure. That was a decent... Right, you're I, a big Public Enemy yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. I was once upon a time. That, that was a good one. Um, rattle off some of the other big Spike Lee movies. See if I've seen any of them. I don't know. Well, so that's, a, that's one of the challenges is that he's made dozens of movies, but he... His biggest box office hit of all time, I believe, was Inside Man with um, Clive Owen yeah, okay. and Denzel Washington and Jodie Foster. Okay. Yep. And then he did uh, 25th Hour with Ed Norton. Oh, I like he that. He did Malcolm yeah. X with oh, Denzel Washington. Like that. So, I mean, he's he's done, uh, like I said, probably a couple of dozen films. But but Inside Man's his biggest box office. He's never been a, big, real, a real big commercial draw. Sure. And I guess... Since Do the Right Thing came out back in like 89, 89 yeah. I think it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's certainly been a prolific filmmaker. He's been a polarizing figure. Mm-hmm. I think I think people either tend to really like him or really not or or they just haven't seen his movies. I guess that's the third option. Um, but I have I've been sort of lukewarm. I, I feel like his movies are good. Fine. Yeah. OK. Many of them. Not old boy. Um, but I've never been. <laughs> Yeah, not old boy. Uh, and I just have never been truly, like, completely blown away. Maybe other than I really did like Malcolm X when that came out. Um, 
But I, I was really excited to talk about this. He's never been nominated until this year for Best Director. That blew my mind. But just a few years ago, he was given a Lifetime Achievement Award already. Okay. Like, they gave him, like, an honorary Oscar. And so that, you know, you look at this nomination and this film and the fact that he's he's finally been nominated. And, and I guess my immediate gut is, is he going to win Best Director just because it's his time, because mm-hmm. it's his turn? Yeah. Or... Is the Academy going to say, we already gave him sort of the honorary lifetime award a few years ago, so he's got to really earn it this year. Yeah. And Alfonso Cuaron for Roma is just on such a tear. He won the Globe. He just won the the Director's Guild Award. He's going to be tough to beat. Yeah, yeah. I, I was blown away by the fact that he had never even previously been nominated. Now, of course, the directing category is off the category... Uh, criticized most highly for being Oscar so white. So I, I guess I shouldn't have been terribly surprised, but just given th- yeah. his canon and the fact that every, like him or not, even if you haven't seen his movies, everybody knows his name. He's courtside at the Knicks every home game, right? <laughs> right. I, I was I was surprised by that. So I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised to see him walk away with it, and we'll know in a few weeks. Well, let's dig into Black Klansman, which is, uh, I think, a pretty interesting movie. It's a sort of a historical police procedural comedy at parts, Uh, but it's based on a true story and it features John David Washington, who, if you're curious, is the son of Denzel Washington. He needs uh, a Washington in the movie. He always needs a Washington in this movie. (laughs) He's got to have one. It's a bit of a crutch. Uh, But he plays the first African-American police officer in Colorado Springs, Colorado, who, after being moved to the intelligence unit, successfully infiltrated the local chapter of the Ku Klux Klan with the help of a fellow Jewish officer. And this is the story how those two, via the phone and in-person undercover work, infiltrated the Ku Klux Klan and ultimately stopped an attack that was to take place in the community uh, targeting African-Americans. Right. And that's the movie. What did you think of Black Klansman? <laughs> I think that I thought of Black Klansman what you think of Spike Lee's filmography in general. And that's that, oh, it was, it was fine. It, it, was, it was pretty okay. Maybe a tad long, a little bit repetitive, but good, good enough. It, it was a decent rental. How about you? Well, okay. I, I actually liked it more than you um and i i would say this is probably spike lee's most accessible watchable film yeah in years for sure but but maybe ever in that you know he has such a passionate point of view about the african-american experience right and he is devoted to the black audience and he has done a terrific job and what i found really interesting is that this movie which gives him long stretches where characters basically preach about all power to all the people. And and it's like the perfect platform for him to get that message across. But I, it was so dovetailed perfectly into the story. Maybe for the first time in a while, it didn't feel like it was shoehorned in somehow. Oh, okay. So it just was so organic to the story. I felt like this really let Spike Lee be Spike Lee. And I wasn't annoyed by it. You know, it wasn't Uh, like, okay, we get it. It was just like, yeah, that's the story. These are the characters. That's what's going on. And I was, I was entertained the whole time. I thought the movie was actually pretty tight. I didn't find it overly long. And, um, 
I, I, I thought the acting was good. I thought I, I had a lot to like about this movie. I thought it was really well done. And so Christy and I actually watched this one together, which is a rarity that we sit down and watch a Best Picture nominee at the same time. And, right. and I think that we both reacted pretty similarly to a few key scenes. I don't, I don't want to just jump into stuff that I didn't like, because overall I did think that the movie was fine. But there's a scene where the civil rights activist who comes to campus and speaks. He gives a speech on campus, and it's the first point at at which Washington's uh, cop is is going undercover to right. observe, you know, what, what's going down um, in the African American community. Is there yep. going to be a race war? Are they are they propagating this? And that speech, that scene itself, goes on for a long time. And the reason it went on, I noticed how long it went on, is that instead of just showing the speaker, they kept showing some kind of really weird artistic reaction shots in the audience where they'd like put three faces together and then another three and they'd kind of move the heads around. It was a, it was an odd sort of artistic way to get through like what what, what seemed to be about a 10 minute long speech. Now... You know, you said that this is something that's very near and dear to Spike Lee's heart, and at least the subject matter of this movie, it's not being shoehorned in, right? That's the right. whole plot of the movie. So, so perhaps that was important, but that one felt a little bit long. And then it's followed about 15, 10, 15 minutes later by a really long scene in a bar uh, where the main characters meet up and are dancing. Uh, to the same song, it, it's too late to turn back now, and they're they're dancing to that song in slow motion for another good ten minutes. It's like the extended disco remix of that song, and I was like, "This is weird." Like, I don't get why I don't get why yeah. we need this. You know, they met up at a bar. That that scene can See, end but now. It, I guess when I think of that scene, um, when Washington's character is there, I felt like he went there as a cop, cop first undercover and then the scene did go on for a little while and i did i actually appreciated the you called artistic reaction shots because it felt like i felt like we were visualizing the awakening of washington's character and him thinking yeah like i actually agree with a lot of what's being said here and it was sort of like he went in with one agenda and sort of one persona and he left i think way more conflicted because he really heard what the guy had to say. The guy sort of won him over okay. and yet he's a cop and yet he's not going to go out and shoot cops. But like, he, <laughs> I think I felt like he was feeling more than he was expecting to. Um, Even though that crowd I, was teetering on the edge of going out and shooting cops. Like for sure. Yeah, I don't feel like they were opposed to the idea. Right? For sure. And, and Corey Hawkins, um, who was, uh, who did he just play? Dr. Dre a few years yeah, ago. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. was awesome in the scene. I mean, he was electric. Yeah. So, I, again, I, I hear what you're saying. It went on a long time, but I thought it was long enough, and it was long enough to kind of spark that in Washington's character. And if it had been shorter, I wouldn't have believed it. It would have been like, okay, you hear a guy talk for 30 seconds, and suddenly you're a convert or something. Sure. Okay. I don't know. But I, I thought, overall, I thought the acting was very, very good, very well done. I thought um, John David Washington acted very well he looks great but boy he sounds like his dad oh he sure does if you close your your eyes it sounds (laughs) like denzel washington and i thought adam driver was terrific as well the only person i had trouble with acting wise was topher grace who plays david duke the head of the ku klux klan (laughs) just because he seems like such a douche and he's hard to take him seriously and then that 
that kind of confused. I thought it almost muddied the tone a little bit by having Topher Grace in that. How do you take Topher Grace seriously as David Duke? Yeah. So it's almost it's not quite a comedy. It's just it's it'd be like having Steve Martin in there in the you know when Steve Martin's in a dramatic movie sometimes it's kind of hard to to take the moment seriously even though he's acting his butt off. It just felt weird. Yeah, I, I, Topher, Topher Grace was an interesting casting choice. I wasn't all that impressed with Washington. Um, I, I guess I felt like he just seemed kind of bland to me. I, I, I kept imagining how his dad would have played that final scene where he tells off David Duke at the end. And I could just yeah. imagine, you know, the electric eyes of Denzel and the, all right, all right. Like I, I could imagine how great that would have been. Obviously Denzel Washington would have been way too old to play this right. particular cop, but, but it, it, it's hard not to draw the comparison. Right. I, to me, I, I think you're getting at something that did bother me about the movie. And that is as good as I thought Washington was. And I did think he did well. He wasn't given a ton to do because I didn't understand the central conceit of the movie or what happened in real life. And that is that Washington's character calls the Ku Klux Klan and says he's interested. He kind of says a bunch of white racist, white power crap. And they're like, cool, you're in. Let's meet. Right. And then they send Adam Driver because they're expecting a white guy. So he goes in and unfortunately, (laughs) Washington's character used his his real name. So now this guy's got to go be him and use his name. But then I didn't understand why Washington's character was ever involved really again. Like why didn't Adam driver just pick up the phone, get on the the guy on the phone and in person. So Washington was really just the guy on the phone. And those scenes were kind of funny and interesting, but then driver's scenes were more intense because he's the guy in the room. And at any moment, these guys could realize he's a cop and shoot him. And he's a Jewish cop. So I felt like he was really in the hot seat, and under pressure and Washington's character seemed like he was having a little bit more fun. Cause he's just on the phone shooting the breeze. And I didn't understand why they even kept that up. Did you? I did not either. I mean, clear, okay. clearly they have a slightly different voice, which gets called out at some point uh, in one of these meetings. If they're like, Oh, you sound a little different or something like that. So, right. so why, why keep up that ruse? Why not just have, have Adam driver's character be the dude on the phone. They, and then, it must be such a coordinated effort to keep the details of their story straight, which again, Adam Driver's character screws up when he says, I'm going to Dallas to see my sick father instead of El Paso to see my right. sick father. Like, so it, it seemed, it seemed wholly unnecessary at that yeah. point uh, that, and, and I guess when I read, you know, the three sentence synopsis of this film, when it came out, which I think was in the summer, I think this was a summer yeah. release and I didn't see it at the time reading about a black man that infiltrates the Ku Klux Klan, I'm thinking there's a guy underneath a hood at a rally or something like that. And I'm like, holy cow, that is so dangerous. This must have been freaking intense. And then you get to the to, to the actual meat of this movie. And I think that I, I agree with you. Adam Driver was fantastic. And, and I think you and I are both kind of on the same we can give or take Adam Driver. You know, he's 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 yeah. not our favorite, yeah, but I, I, yeah. he he really earned some points with me in this film. And there are some really scary moments where they suspect him to be Jewish, where they suspect him to be a cop, where they're not quite certain what his allegiance is. And I thought, I mean, you take Washington's character out of this altogether, and it's still a freaky movie. Like anybody right. infiltrating the KKK is. <laughs> 
really going into some ugly territory. Yes. Yeah, and so I agree with you. I'm not a huge fan of Adam Driver, but I thought he did a great job, and I think his Best Supporting Actor nomination is well-deserved. I thought he did For a, sure. a really nice yeah. job. Um, yeah, I, I, there was some good humor in the movie as well. Like Spike Lee really gives the story and, and the characters a couple of pretty good scenes where there's some opportunities to wring some some fairly decent laughs out of the material or just sure, shenanigans, sure. which I enjoyed because the movie also does get pretty intense, and that was a good relief valve. I, I agree. There there are there are some really funny funny moments. One thing that I thought seemed a little jarring in the movie, and I I even remember when we discussed Old Boy. Believe it or not, I can remember discussing this movie. What what is it? Five years ago. And and some of the funny Spike Lee flourishes or goofy Spike Lee flourishes that he'll throw into a movie. And he does it again here, and it just seemed unnecessary and kind of jarring. There's a scene where Washington and his girlfriend are walking along and discussing the black exploitation films of the era and comparing yep. notes on their favorite characters, etc. And so Spike Lee decides to artistically keep throwing the movie poster from each of the movies that they reference up on the screen. Right. Which I thought was, that, that seems sort of like, you know, college film school sort of sort of material, right? Like that, that was odd to me and, yeah. and a little bit jarring. I, I felt like a movie with this kind of subject matter didn't warrant the, the cutesiness there. I didn't mind that moment, but I'll be honest and say almost from the first moment of the movie or right up front it there's a there's a title card that says disjoint is based on some faux real faux real <laughs> you know as opposed to saying based on actual events or something or inspired by true events right, and i right. so i was i was ready to be annoyed with the spike lee flourishes and i thought oh god here it comes and i really wasn't looking forward to this movie to be honest but once you got past that, I just got sucked in by the acting and the story right away. I, I found it pretty pretty watchable, and okay. I would I would really recommend anyone who's even curious to give it a try. And anyone who says I'm not a Spike Lee fan, I'd say I think you can give this one a try. I think this one's right. really worth seeing. Now I wanted to ask you because the one of the things that this movie has drawn some heavy criticism for is being really heavy-handed against the current administration, the, the, the yes. current occupant of the White House. And and the last five minutes of the film are, you know, found footage, uh, or not found footage, but, but, you know, cell phone footage, real footage, real footage of yeah. everything that went down in Charlottesville yeah. a uh, uh, year and a half ago. There's also a, a line where David Duke is played by Topher Grace is speaking and talks about we're going to bring back America's greatness again or something. I mean, clearly, clearly not a David Duke quote, but he's he's uh, he's preempting the president there. Um, did you find that to be a little bit heavy handed as well? Like, I mean, we're talking about a, a movie that took place in either 19, what was it, 1971 or something like yeah, that? It took place in 71 and and. I guess I th I thought the references to the Trump administration were jarring and they were a little heavy handed and they did take me out of the story because it was such an obvious wink and nod to the current administration. Right. Um, right. Even the scene where Washington says they'll never we would never vote someone into the White House, you know, who sort of uses the dog whistle of racism and yeah. Yeah. You know, no way America's better than that. Well. 
Right. Sure. It, it seemed so, a little a little Holmes and Watson again. Right. The... Exactly. Exactly. Took you out of the story. It's really trying to put the shot across the bow and kind of petty and and ultimately toothless. But I actually found the inclusion of the Charlottesville footage, especially after the way that Spike Lee ends the film with the Ku Klux Klan burning a cross, to be really haunting and really an unfortunately very striking reminder that while we're watching a period piece that took place, you know, almost 40 years ago, these issues are still out there. There are still people who cling to these notions and who believe that who believe what the, the Ku Klux Klan believed back then. And so I, I didn't think it yeah. was, I didn't think it was a, I thought it was a good choice. I thought it was, okay. it's unfortunate that we had a really awful, timely and very public reminder that this ugliness is out there. Yeah. But the other stuff, the stuff earlier in the film where we're sort of like slaps in the face to Trump or to the administration. I felt that was a little unnecessary and okay. sort of beneath the rest of the film. That would be my take. Sure. Okay. Yeah. What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? Could I just start with what's up with Adam or uh, Alec Baldwin opening the movie? Yeah. And not only is he like this weird father of the Ku Klux Klan, he just constantly is clearing his throat and just doing really bizarre. It was such an odd first three minutes really of the movie. Really weird. Like if if you're gonna make that choice and have Alec Baldwin play this guy, just have him play it. Doing all the weird throat clearing and like stuff in between takes just made it seem like a bad Saturday Night Live sketch. Like, I couldn't decide if I was supposed to be horrified or laughing. Plus, I gotta feel like, w- w- a man like Alec Baldwin, does does he want this one on his filmography? Like, he's only in the movie for those three minutes, and for three minutes, he's just shouting the most awful racist vitriol at the camera. It's so awful. Like, this isn't one you want in your canon, right? Yeah, I don't know. You know, you're you're Alec Baldwin. You're a New Yorker. Spike Lee's the quintessential, you know, Brooklyn native. And he says, hey, I got a role for you in my film. It's kind of a wild role. You play Trump for a living sometimes. So I kind of yeah. want you to play. I. It's probably one day's work for him. And the way they shot it, it almost seems like he didn't even bother to learn the lines because he just kept <laughs> asking for line. And then they use that footage. So it was just such a weird right. choice. Um, it was it was really weird. What's up with Isaiah Whitlock Jr. from The Wire being in this movie and getting the opportunity to say <laughs> What was the point of putting that guy? It's like everyone knows him as the guy from The Wire who says He's he's got a corner on that market. Totally. <laughs> What's what's up with the the woman who is the head of the Black Student Union of whatever campus they're on that brings in the speaker? She shows up at the bar after essentially being arrested and assaulted by the police, and she shows up at the bar and starts dancing. Like, what was up with that? I sort of feel like if that was your night, you got pulled over, you got groped by a, a racist white cop. Probably at that point, you call it a night. Like, why do you go to the bar and dance? Are you really feeling it at that point? That was weird to me. Well, I I thought she did a terrific job acting as well, although I spent the whole movie trying to figure out where I'd seen her before. Where was it? Until I remember, she was in Spider-Man Homecoming, 
and she played the like the girlfriend of Peter Parker. Oh, like she was the really lovely that. high school girl in that high school superhero movie, and here she is playing like this super strong, passionate, you know, black campus life leader. I thought she did great. Right, right, right. What's up with the guy who very clearly wishes he was Steve Buscemi? <laughs> oh, I think that's his brother. I honest to God think that is it's it? his brother. I didn't check. Yeah, it was like yeah. he just reeks of Steve Buscemi, but it's not. But it's like, did they offer it to Steve and he couldn't do it? It was. I, I'm saying with 95% certainty that that is Steve Buscemi's brother that I saw in the cast. Uh, what's up with the cameo by Harry Belafonte? This this was a really weird scene. So so oh, Harry yeah. Belafonte is is seated. He's obviously an old man. Um, and for our listeners who don't know, he was a very popular calypso singer in the 1960s. I think he was like people's sexiest man alive a couple years back then. Uh, popular musician. Um, so he's he's in the in the you know final act of the movie, and he's he's seated in a room where he's explaining to a large group of black students who are gathered. And explaining to them a story from his youth about a uh, young black man who was lynched. And he goes into all the details of the lynching. I mean, it's it's the yeah. most disturbing thing I've heard in a long, long time. But what's up with the fact that through the whole scene, Harry Belafonte was smiling? Like, did he not realize that he was smiling? Or is he just such a happy guy that no matter what he's talking about, he's going to keep smiling? Because it, the the look on his face and the words coming out of his mouth, for me, did not sink. It was oh. weird. You yeah. know, I, I certainly watched that scene. I thought it was very powerful. I guess I didn't either remember or take away that he was smiling I, maybe that's just how he looks, or maybe he was wincing. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just he's got a resting smile face. Right. right. <laughs> What's I mean, up? he sings Calypso for a living. I mean, you're always happy, yeah, right? Yeah, life's pretty good. Um, yeah. What's up with the character Felix, who's the sort of the crazy Ku Klux Klan member? What's up with his wife during the movie Birth of a Nation? Can you imagine a worse human being to be seated next to in a movie? She is shouting no. at the screen. She is like overtly like over the top laughing and clapping. I, I was like even in that room full of absolute hate and paranoia and disgusting humanity. I'd be like, you need to leave. You're too, Dial it down. You're too yeah. obnoxious. You're, you're, the rest of us. The rest of us. We Nazis, just want to watch it for the hundredth time. We just want to. We just want to boo and throw popcorn. <laughs> but she took it to like a whole nother level. Buddy, are you ready for five questions? I am literally always ready for five questions. I, I don't know that that's true, but let's get into them <laughs> okay. for Black Klansman. All right. All right. Question number one. Thank you, listeners. How much of John David Washington's career do you think is owed to his father? Um, that's a tough question. You know, whenever you get the sort of son of a famous uh, actor who goes into acting, um, I'm sure it helped with him getting meetings and getting auditions and being taken seriously. Sure. But I thought he held his own. I thought he did a good job. So, And I haven't seen any of his other work to say he got roles he shouldn't have. But I'm sure, okay. it, didn't, I'm sure right. it didn't hurt. And I mean, I guess he could probably make a phone call, given what he does in this film, pretend he's pretend his father. Pretend to be his dad. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. Right. And then then get a meeting. And then they're kind of like, you look a little younger. And he's like, I've been working out. Right. Okay. Question number two. Uh, 
The film contains slurs for African Americans, Italians, Polish, Hispanics, Jews, Indians, and homosexuals. Were any of these hateful terms new to you? Yeah, there were a couple that I was sort of surprised by. I don't remember which ones, but I was like, oh, that's novel. I, I haven't yeah, heard that. Put that one in my lexicon, yeah. Okay, question number three. Spike Lee earned his first Best Director nomination for this film. Yep. Do you think any of his prior work should have gotten him nominated before? I was surprised when Malcolm X didn't get him a nomination. Okay. And he was certainly surprised when he didn't get nominated for Do the Right Thing. And he yeah, was, yeah, he, he was violently vocal, he, vocal he, about it. Yeah, yeah right, right, right. Okay. Uh, I mean, doesn't he often write the screenplay for his films too and gets like a screenplay nomination and then... He like, has been nominated for Best Screenplay in the past, yeah. Okay. okay. I don't know how many times, but yes. Okay, sounds good. Uh, question number four. We're getting schooled on this one. Um, producer Jordan Peele premieres his much-anticipated follow-up to Get Out in late March. Should we also expect, finally, a follow-up to your Get Out blog post? I think we're being called out for not posting a blog post in the last year. Oh. You know what? We got 245 episodes of the podcast. If anyone <laughs> right, wants right. more blog posts, they can let us. I guess they did just let us know. Or uh, guest sure. one. We could get sure. a guest blog poster. I'll, yeah. I'll yeah, write a blog good. post about us when we see it. That movie looks terrifying, though. Like, it, it looks does. messed it does. up. And, and now that I think about it, it's actually been two years since that post because it was last year's Oscars, but it came out in like February. I think that movie yeah. was like a February release. Yeah. All right. Final question. Alec Baldwin expressed to Entertainment Weekly that he had difficulty with some of his characters' racist dialogue. Do you think Liam Neeson would have had an easier time? Oh, man. Liam Neeson, talk about tr- just stepping in it for no good reason recently. That guy, while promoting his new film, wow. talked about wanting to kill some black bastard. I mean, you that, can't, like, but but he's talking about wanting fashion. to do it thirty years ago. Yeah. Like, if that's something you want to do thirty years ago, and you've managed to keep it under wraps all this time, don't do it on Ellen. And he's trying to make the point right that 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 rage and anger made him think crazily and want to do something, and then he sort of came right. to his senses and realized that he's a He's not a violent person, and that's not the answer. I mean, he was trying to phrase it and all this about all this good stuff and how he's matured as an adult, but all that people heard was black bastard, and he was hoping a black man would attack him so he could kill a black man. And it's like, well, this is all over. I mean, who comes up with this stuff? This is right there with Viggo Mortensen trying to say that people have sort of matured and that racism is less overt because people don't use the n-word but then he used the n-word and suddenly that was all that people talked about is Viggo Mortensen just used the n-word right crazy it's just it's so shocking I mean when it's Liam Neeson you're like I mean he seems to conduct himself fairly well like this this is like Viggo Mortensen's kind of a loose cannon it wasn't all that shocking but Liam Come on. Come on, dude. Oh, yeah. that's five right. questions. Well, thanks, listeners. Thanks for the questions. Uh, final thoughts from you on Black Klansman, Mike? I guess I'd say see it. I enjoyed it enough to have watched it. Christy and I both did. I I guess it just seemed a little bit slow-moving to me and was a surprising Best Picture nominee to me. Nothing about it jumped out and screamed, 
this one needs to be in the time capsule. We've certainly said that about a lot of Academy Award Best Picture winners. The, I don't think this one's going to win, but were it to be, I'd be like, huh? Why? Why? Right. So, uh, but, but still, still a movie w- worth checking out. Yeah, I, I guess I, I think I'm on the same page there. I don't know that it's Best Picture quality, but there's a lot of good things going on with it. I think it's very watchable. I think it's a pretty accessible Spike Lee film, even though it's definitely deep into his passionate wheelhouse and he gets a lot of opportunity to say the things he wants to say. And I think maybe it's just the material is perfect for it. And uh, again, it's a really interesting story and and, uh, well told, well acted. So yeah, I'd encourage people to check it out. All right. Well, what do we have coming up next? Now we're actually going to do Tom Jones. Now right? we're going to do Tom Jones. Okay. Yes. Right. This is right. this is going to happen. This isn't one of those movies where we just kick the can for like two years. I don't remember what that movie was, but there was one we just kept pushing down the road. Tom Jones is next. Best Picture in 1963. Look for it. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.